0: Just connected with me more when I hear Sean play it and sing it. So, uh, hey, once again, thank you so much for being here today. I'm glad to be out of the house. I'm glad to be worshiping with you all, worshiping our God that deserves our worship and our praise. He alone deserves our worship and our praise. I also want to extend a special thank you to everybody who is listening online, especially those of you who are feeling a little under the weather and made that right call not to be here. And so thank you for exercising good judgment, sound judgment there, and thank you for actually taking the time to listen to this podcast. Glad to know that, that somebody's out there listening to these words. And so for all of you, thank you, thank you so much, whether you're listening online or here in person, we appreciate your presence with us. I think we should start off with a prayer time. What do you say? It's a strange time we live in, a strange season, a unique season, um, but we're going to do what we do as believers. We're going to go to our God, the God that hears us, And we're going to lift up some prayers. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for being the God that you are. A God that is bigger than our fears. A God that is bigger than our problems. A God that is bigger than any virus. We thank you for you. God, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for this group that's assembled here today. We thank you for the believers listening online. And we just... We thank you that you've given us an opportunity to give you the worship and the praise and the attention, the focus that that you deserve during this time. Father, we pray for healing. We pray for all of those who have this virus that you would heal them, especially those who have compromised immune system. We pray for their physical healing, for their emotional well-being during this time. Father God, we do pray for those who do not have this virus, but have immune-compromised uh, you know, immune systems here, and we just pray that you would protect them from this. And we ask that for all of us, that you would protect us from this, prevent us from, from getting this virus and having to deal with it. So, of course, we're going to lift up these prayers to you, but, but more than that, God, we pray that you would protect us from panic and protect us from fear. Lord Jesus Christ, you promised us. You promised us your peace, your peace. And Father, God, we know that we can experience a a kind of worldly peace, when everything's going just right, when all the bills are paid and everybody's healthy, we can experience that worldly peace. But Christ, the peace that you have extended to us is a peace that exists in the midst of chaos. It's a peace that exists in the midst of pandemics. And so we're coming to you, Jesus, And we're saying, hey, listen, you promised, we're we're counting on you to deliver. And so bless us, bless us with that peace, a peace that surpasses understanding. As as believers, God, allow that peace to fill us to the point of overflowing, and let that peace be contagious all throughout Delaware County, all throughout the state, the country, and the world. Let your peace. Peace prevail. Father God, we pray for all of the decision makers out there, our elected officials and anyone in a position that has to make these big decisions on behalf of big groups of people. We pray that you would give them the wisdom and the guidance they need to make those tough calls. Father God, in the meantime, in the midst of this this weird season that we're in, we're we're resting in you. We're trusting in you, and we know that this whole world is in your hands. Thank you, God, for your provision. Thank you, God, for your protection in Jesus. We thank you for your peace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. All right, friends, we're going to carry on here because we are closing a message series. This is a five-part message series called Shifting Focus, and I see that we've got some new people here today, and so... I'm just going to start from part one. We're going to preach through all five parts, and we'll just go from there. Part one. No, I'm just kidding. Um, If you're curious about what you may have missed along the way, you can catch up on all this stuff on the podcast. But really, last week, I gave away the secret. Last Sunday, I finally confessed to you what this whole message series has been about. And really, it has been about this thing called evangelism, okay? A big term, a scary term. Sometimes it's a scary term. Sometimes it has a negative connotation, but that's what this series has been about, really just inviting other people to experience the gospel, inviting other people to meet Jesus. That's a beautiful thing. That's a wonderful thing, and so we've talked through some pretty practical steps of what we can do, what we should do in order to to be, to take on this role of evangelists, Um, A few weeks ago, we talked about what it means to be a minister of the reconciliation. This is the work that that really God has given to us. Christ has done this amazing thing for us. He has died on the cross in our place. He has extended to us the gift of forgiveness, the gift of eternal life. And it's our job to share that, to be ministers of this message, to be ministers of this reconciliation. It's our job to share this news with other people in ways that make sense. This gospel message, what God has done for us, it's big. It's really big. And when we don't have context for it, sometimes it's tough to make sense of that. And So that's another part of our responsibility is to do what we can to provide people with context so that this message of the gospel makes some sense. And so we've talked through some practical steps in evangelism, how we can all fulfill this role as evangelists. And step one is to make a list. A few weeks ago, you were given a couple index cards. One was for you. The other card was to make a duplicate, if so desired. But just to start writing down the names of the people in your life who don't yet know Jesus as Savior. Make a list. It's a powerful thing. It's a big step to take. Just to, just to acknowledge the fact that there are people you love who, as of right now, don't know Jesus yet as Savior. And so to make that list and to make it specific, not just, oh, I hope everybody, you know, no, to make it specific to the people that, the people that you know, the people that you love and start small and it's okay if your list is just one name, but to start with the people you love the most and to make that list, step one, list, step two, pray, pray. Here's what we know about God. God loves our loved ones more than we possibly can. He loves them with a perfect love. And so the God of the Bible, the God that we worship here at Hope, he desires all to come to repentance. He desires all to receive salvation. So we just pray God's will back to God, and we give him that burden. Because here's what we know, only God can change hearts, right? We can do what we can do, and we can serve other people, and we can love other people, and we can be, we can be very clever too, can't we? We can come up with all kinds of arguments, you know, make a case for Christ, make a case for the gospel, but listen, if God's not in it, it's not going to work. So we got to ask God to do the heavy lifting, to do what only He can do. And so we pray, we pray, we pray. We make a list, we pray, list, pray. Step three invite. Invite the people on your list to experience the gospel somewhere, somehow. Of course, worship services like this are an ideal opportunity to invite someone to experience the body of Christ, to experience the gospel message. Find an invitation point. So today we're going to talk about, okay, well, what's next? What happens beyond step three, beyond invite? I think it was, I think it was three Easter's ago, um, we made a... uh, well, I made a big push in the months, really months leading up to Easter. I was really, really encouraging you all to, to invite somebody to worship with you on Easter Sunday. We made a big point about this and, and really pushed. And you know, I, was, I was probably being pretty obnoxious, which is one of my spiritual gifts, to be obnoxious. And so I was really leaning on you all saying, let's do this thing. Let's invite someone to worship. And guess what? My obnoxiousness must have worked because a lot of you did bring guests with you on that Easter Sunday. Now, we don't do like attendance thing here, but this place was packed like we've never seen it packed before or since. It was really full on that Sunday. I was thinking, wow, this worked. Fantastic. Now what? (laughs) Now what? So we've encouraged our people to make that invitation what do you do next? What happens after you get a yes and somebody actually shows up with you to the thing, to the small group, to the service opportunity, to the, to the worship service? What happens next? Okay, So we're going to focus on that question. Before we answer that question, we got to talk about something else. What happens? You've got your list. You're praying for your people. You make that invitation. What happens if you get a no? What do you do next? What do you do next? Somebody already knows. What do you do next? Really? You mean I shouldn't go back to my index card and cross out the name? No? No, you're right. Keep praying for that person and, and try. I know we're all human beings and, you know, we get all defensive and offended. I try not to take it personally, okay? If you extend that invitation and somebody says, no, it probably has nothing to do with you and how you've represented Jesus, it probably has nothing to do with you. So do your best to, to access some empathy and some compassion Listen. Don't take it personally, right? I've learned that the hard way. Is to get so disheartened when people wouldn't say yes. Oh no, they don't like me. It's not about me. It's not about me, and it's not about you. Don't take it personally. Go back to step two. Keep praying, and look for something else. To invite them to. There's got to be some other kind of invitation, an invitation to lunch, an invitation to a small group, maybe down the line another invitation to worship, an invitation to a concert, something. There's got to be something. So keep praying and look for other opportunities to invite. Okay, so that's that. But what happens again? Okay, so that's that. But what happens if somebody actually says yes? All right, let's talk practically about this. You've got your list. You've been praying. Some of you Now, share with me, you've already invited some people to worship with you on Easter Sunday. Fantastic. You've already done it. They say yes, and they actually show up. Whoa. Now, see, the thing about that is that feels like such a big accomplishment. That feels like you've crossed the finish line. I did it. I got them to show up at a place for a thing. But that is just the beginning. That's not the end. That's the beginning what do we do next? Let's take a look at our scripture today and see if we can gain some clarity, some insight, some direction for what needs to happen, okay? Now, we started this whole series off, and again, it's all online if you want to listen to the podcast. It's called Shifting Focus. But we started this whole series off looking at the parable that Jesus taught, parable of a sower, you know, a planter who's scattering seeds, And Jesus gives this parable and then explains the meaning of it to his disciples. And so week one of this series, we just looked at the parable itself. And now as we bring this series to a close, we're going to look at how Jesus explains this parable to his disciples. And so the parable, it's a powerful one. It's a simple one. It's one that makes sense. And really, in this parable, Jesus describes himself as a sower of seeds, the seeds of the kingdom, the seeds of the gospel, explain the way of God to people, and he describes the different ways that people respond to the gospel, the different ways that people respond to news about the kingdom of God. And we can see from this parable that some people receive this news, and and they accept it, and they're able to carry it, and they're able to to understand it, to make sense of the gospel message, to make sense of the message of the kingdom, And and some just aren't. And so let's take a look at the words of Jesus as he explains this parable. And if you'd like to read the whole um, parable, you take a look at Matthew 13. I mean, listen, you're off for two weeks, a lot of you. Take a look. Why don't you read your Bible? Like, yeah, I'm going to read my Bible on here, right? Matthew 13, you've got time to read that today. And so the parable is given, and now here's the explanation. This is Jesus, okay? This is a smaller group now. He's given the parable to a big group. Now he's meeting with his disciples and explaining to them what this means. He says, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. Let this be known. There is an enemy. There is an evil one. And that evil one, that Satan, that devil, does not want that seed to take root. He does not want us to understand the gospel. He does not want us to understand the way of righteousness? He doesn't want that. And so if that seed is, is, is planted and if it doesn't really make sense, and so really, let's get practical about this. And we've talked about this all throughout this series, that the gospel message is big. And those of us who are Christians, we're just used to hearing it. Yeah, Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Well, yeah. We're just used to it. That, that, that's so weird. If you don't have any context, that's so weird. Like, What do you mean? Why would Jesus die for me? Who is this God you're talking about? It just, if you don't have context, you don't understand it. And so here's what Jesus says. If you don't understand, for someone who doesn't understand it, for someone that doesn't have any context, that seed is not just going to hang out on their heart. No, there's an enemy that can snatch that away. And so what can we do about that? Well, not everything, not much. You know, like I said, God can only do what God does. God can change people's hearts. God can do all that. What can we do? Well, we can do our part to cultivate the soil. We can do our part to better explain the gospel. We can do our part to provide some context and on Easter Sunday, we're beginning a new message series about discovering the God of Scripture, discovering the God that we worship at Hope. And my goal and our aim in that series is to provide not just the gospel, but context over several weeks that, that help, will help make the gospel make sense. We need some context to understanding why God loves us, how much He loves us, and why He would do this thing for us of sending Jesus into this world. And so there are some things we can do. The big stuff, the heavy lifting, it's, God's got to do it. Only God can do that. But we can do our part to cultivate and prepare that soil. So Jesus says, this is what happens when someone hears the words, they don't understand it, the evil snatches it away. That's the seed sown along the path, verse 20 in your bulletin there, Matthew 13, 20. The seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root... They last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the world, because of the word, they quickly fall away. Maybe, maybe this was your story once upon a time. And if not, maybe you know people that have responded to the gospel in this way. I've certainly seen it, have you? Somebody comes in, they get on fire for Jesus, they accept the gospel, and they sign up for everything. Yes, 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 yes. And then as soon as Christianity turns out to be something unexpected, as soon as it gets difficult, it's like, wait a minute, I didn't sign up for this. As soon as somebody gets sick, as soon as the first prayer goes unanswered, it's like, oh, wait a minute, this isn't what I thought it was. You know, I signed up for Christianity thinking all my problems would be solved. I signed up for Christianity thinking that I'd always have enough money. I signed up for this thinking that God would always answer my prayers the way that I want Him to answer them. And as soon as trouble comes along, oh, no. Or as soon as somebody comes face to face with someone who's really good at arguing against Christ, it's like, well, I don't you're asking me questions that I don't know how to answer. And so they fall away from the faith. I've seen this. This is sad. This is sad. What can we do about that? There's something. There's something we can do. You know, you're much less likely to fall away if you're a part of a community, if you're not doing this whole thing on your own. Because there's this thing, and maybe I felt it as a teenager. Maybe you've felt this way at some point in your Christian journey, for those of you who are Christians in this room, that somebody brings you a question that you don't know how to answer, and you feel like, well, I should be able to answer this, so... uh, let me make something up. <laughs> Go and ask somebody else, you know. Plug yourself into a church where you can, you know, ask a pastor maybe. You know, that's, that's the thing. Us pastors and church leaders, we're supposed to be, in theory, we're supposed to be a gift to the congregation. We're supposed to be like a source of support and help. It doesn't have to be a pastor. I don't have all the answers. I mean, how many times do I give you an I don't know, right? You bring me your tough questions and I call Pastor Sean and then I get back to you. That's how this, you guys know how it works, right? That's how it works, we can rely on each other. And when you're put in that place, or say, you know, someone's asking you a question, well, if God loves, if God loves the world so much, what's up with this coronavirus? And you, know, I, I, you can say, I don't know. You can say, I don't know. But here's what I do know. <laughs> and then share what you do know, that Jesus loves me and that my life is different. Share your personal story because no one can argue against your personal story. And so here's the thing. I want to do what I can as a pastor and as a, as a body, as a church. We want to do what we can do to prevent this kind of thing from happening. I love it when somebody attaches to the Word, receives Jesus as Savior, they believe the gospel, and they're on fire. But I've seen it happen where that fire gets suffocated and they leave the faith. Now, here's, here's the good news, and here's why we're called Hope Community Church because there's always hope that flame can reignite. Praise God for that. There's always hope. We'll continue on. Verse 23. Okay, here we go. It gets worse before it gets better, so hang in there. All right. <clears throat> the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, with the worries of this life, and the deceitfulness of, of wealth, choke the word, making it unfruitful. What an appropriate verse to look at today. Wor- let's look, two things, okay? Two separate but somewhat related things. The worry first, worries of this life. I mean, there's so much negative stuff going on. It could just all, the, the good news of Jesus can get just, just suffocated, choked out by these thorns of the worries of this life. I got people dependent on me. I got a family to take care of. I would love to devote myself to serving Jesus. But I've got bills to pay, buddy. You know, I live in the real world, and all this church stuff sounds great in theory, but I've got to think about my future, and I've got to think about my career, and these bills aren't going to pay themselves, and there's the deceitfulness of wealth. And this is, I mean, Jesus, this is classic Jesus, just the way he phrases things, right? He's not just saying, oh, you know, some people are going to be tempted to accumulate. No, he's the deceitfulness of wealth, because wealth lies to us. What is the big lie of wealth? If you have enough of me, you'll be safe. If you have enough of me, you'll be safe. How much is enough? How much is enough to keep us safe? Well, as long as I've got this here, no matter what happens, I've got my savings. As long as I get that next promotion, then I'll be able to afford all this stuff. And what have we seen happen all throughout this country that we're finally, we're finally pushing back against this, this idea of climbing up a ladder just to climb climb more and to take that next step, and it never ends. And you get that raise, and you think, wow, that's a lot of money, until it's not anymore. And you need that next raise, and you need that next raise. And human beings, we can be a lot like goldfish, can't we, right? Is that true about goldfish? They just grow to the size of their bowl, right? We can do that, right? Remember that? Remember coming out of school and getting that first job and thinking, wow, that's a lot of money, until it doesn't seem like a lot of money anymore, right? Right? The deceitfulness of wealth, as long as you have enough of me, you will be safe. Your money can't protect your health. It can't protect your relationships. It can't. Money's not going to do that. That's the deceitfulness of wealth. All right? And this isn't, listen, it's easy to condemn like people being greedy. Oh, greed is wrong. It's easy to condemn that. That's not what Jesus is doing here. He's talking. he's, He's letting us know there is a lie that wealth tries to, to express to us. If you have enough, you'll be safe. It's not true. There's no amount of money that can protect you from the troubles of this world. But Jesus can. As we prayed about earlier, Jesus offers a peace, a peace that surpasses understanding, a peace that doesn't make sense. And in Jesus, we also get perspective. And the perspective we have in Jesus is we know that we are not building up treasures on this earth because one day we're going to be gone. We all know this. We know this. So we have that perspective of believers, not worried about accumulating things because one day they're all going to be gone from us. Okay. And so these, okay, like I said, it gets worse before it gets better. It's about to get better now. So here's all the ways. This is, and this is, this is so practical. This is so real what Jesus is describing here. I remember reading this and learning about this as a kid, thinking, oh, this... but now I've seen it. <laughs> now I'm old enough to have seen the different ways that people respond to these seeds of the gospel, the seeds of the news of the kingdom. I'm like, wow, Jesus, you are absolutely right. This is, these are the different ways that people respond. So let's get to the good one, all right? <clears throat> verse, verse 23, but the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word And understands it. They hear the gospel, and it makes sense. They've got enough context where it makes sense. They hear the word and understand it. This is the one who produces a crop. This is the one that this news it doesn't stop with them. It's not like it's snatched away. It's not like they lose their faith. It's not like that. And instead, it makes sense, and they go on to become sowers themselves. It produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. There is a multiplication that happens. It does not, that seed does not fall dead. It takes root. It grows and leads to more and more people being able to receive the news of the kingdom. This, this is what's happened over the past 2,000 or so years. This is exactly the process that Jesus described. I mean, when Jesus, you know, at the point of his resurrection, maybe he had 500 followers, in this little tiny remote place in the world, now look at us. <laughs> that news has been spread. There's been a multiplication. It's going on and on and on. And I know that in the United States of America, we might say, well, Christianity is on the decline. But globally, the past 30 years, it's grown more than it has all previous years. I mean, Christianity is on the rise globally because more and more of these seeds are, are taking root and producing a crop. There is a multiplication effect. And so that's, that's the good news that's the positive ending to this parable. What can we do? What can we do as mere mortals, as human beings, to cultivate that soil and make sure that once that seed is planted that it can grow roots and become fruitful? Let's get super practical, shall we? And so back to our list. We've made or back to our three steps. We've made our list, we're praying, we do an invitation, somebody shows up. Then what? Note no takers, are you ready? Because this is it. I'm gonna, we're going to get very, very practical here. Here's what you do next. Somebody shows up with you to worship on Easter Sunday. What do you do next? Ready? Thank them. You can welcome them too. I mean, that's not, that's not wrong. Thank Thank them. Thank you. Thank you. Later that day, maybe the following day, thank you. A phone call, an email, a text message. Knock on their front door if you're close enough to do that. I don't don't don't, Not at my house. But if you're close enough where you can just show up unannounced, you know how it is. Hey, just wanted to thank you. You know, that was a big day for our church. I was really glad that you got to be a part of it. It was really good. Thank you. No strings attached. Thank you. That's what you do. If somebody shows up, you thank them. That's step one. Step two, Wait for a response. See what kind of response you get, okay? And if you get a, 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 like a kind of, a oh, kind of short, oh, little maybe negative response, you just kind of back off. And you keep praying and you keep loving that person and you keep looking for an opportunity to serve. But if you extend that thank you and you get a positive response, it's time to do some more praying and find the next point of invitation. And so it's thank and then invite. <laughs> Thank and then invite, okay? So you've thanked that person. They've given you a positive response. They say, you know what? Um, Easter Sunday was just part one of a four-part series. Would you like to come back next Sunday? I can pick you up. Maybe we can talk. Maybe we can grab lunch afterwards. I know last Sunday was Easter and you had to get together with your family. Why don't, we, why don't I pick you up for this Sunday? We'll, we'll go to worship. We'll grab some lunch. We'll talk afterwards. It's an invitation. So it's a thank you and then it's another invitation. A thank you and then another invitation. Now what happens Guys, is this, is this too practical? Should I get back to kind of loftier, more theoretical things? Is that We're more comfortable with the theoretical. This is very practical, right? So it's a thank you and a follow-up invitation. What if someone doesn't accept that invitation? Well, you know, here's one thing you can do. All these things are recorded and put online, right? You can say, I know you weren't able to be there for part two, and I just thought I'd send you this podcast. In case you're interested in seeing what happened next, in case you're interested, I'm just going to send this to you, and you'll leave it there, right? And now listen, we can get very, very specific with this and go through all the different steps you take, but here, here's, the, here's the big bullet point. You thank and you re-invite. That's it. And you keep doing that. You thank and you re-invite and you pray throughout the whole process. Thank you for being there. Would you like to come out to small group with me? Thank you for being there. Would you like to come back next Sunday? Thank you for, for being a part of that. Thank you for, for actually showing up and doing it because that's a big deal. You need to thank them. That's a big deal. Do you know how strange it is? And how countercultural it is for someone to show up at a church service? Are you kidding me? That's huge. Thank you for being willing to walk through that threshold and worship with us. Let me invite you to the next thing. Thank you and an invitation. Praying all throughout the process. That's what we do. Now here's what else you can do. All right. You can tag in some some extra support from your church family. You can, and people have done this over the years. You can even reach out to your pastor and say, Hey, guess what? I made an invitation. The person's here. I sent them a text. They said they want What should I do next? Come on, let's strategize together. This is it, right? And I love this, right? I don't think I'm ever going to be a pastor of a church of like, you know, one of these like thousands of you know, people, because I don't know how to do that, right? But where we are right now is that like you, can, you can call me and we can talk through and we can figure out a strategy. Okay, here's what's next. Let's pray together. Yes, that's fun. That's awesome, right? We can do that. And so tag in help. You're not on your own to develop your own strategies here, right? We can do this together. Several weeks ago, when you were given those index cards, praying for people in your life, you were also given the option of making a duplicate card and placing it in this box so that your church family could help you pray. And so here's what I want you to know. Beyond prayer, we're here for you to talk through some of the specifics you know, you're not on your own to be an evangelist. This is not a solo sport. This is a group activity. We do this together. And so for those of you who are willing to take your role as a minister of the reconciliation seriously, you have the full support of your local church with you. We can do this together. What you can't accomplish on your own, we can and have been accomplishing together. We can do this together. Amen? Amen. Let's pray on that. Lord Jesus, you know the names that we've written down. You know the people in our lives that we are praying for. We love them. We want them to know you, Jesus, as Savior, but God, we, we know that you love them even more than we can. And so, Father God, allow us to give ourselves over to this calling that you've placed in our lives. You've called us to be messengers of your word, messengers of this reconciliation, ministers of the reconciliation. And so, Father God, just equip us, give us what we need to do this. And so, Father, we know that, that we are limited as human beings, but, but you're not God. God, change hearts, change minds change perspectives, allow our loved ones to hear the gospel, to understand it, to take hold of it, allow that word to multiply in their lives. We want to see, Lord Jesus, we want to see this whole community transformed by the power of of the gospel. Lord Jesus Christ, we want to see total gospel saturation all throughout Delaware County and beyond. And we believe that you're big enough, God, to accomplish just that. And so, God, again, we pray, let your will be done. Do what only you can do and use us, your church, as you see fit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.